This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Lardo. Yes, which, was there any reason it was on your mind? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I love how this question always catches you off I, guard. <laughs> <laughs> I never expected such a question. Um, I, I think what had happened was I was looking for some kind of protein-related product in, like, the grand scheme of, of, of episode topics, and... Uh, and I was sort of looking at different kinds of charcuterie, and I I kind of like glanced across Lardo on a list of things, and I was like, "What is up with Lardo? Let's look yeah. into that one." Because I've definitely <laughs> um, I've definitely had it before um, on various like meat and cheese board kind of things. Um, love the stuff; it's super delicious. Always feels a little bit off putting to just eat like straight fat, um, mm-hmm. but it's so good. And in describing to friends like what this episode was going to be about they were like well where do we go get some and I was like heck I'm not sure right now it can be a little bit elusive so the elusive lardo yeah that could be a character on the dunker we haven't yes we need to bring back the dunker oh, um, heck we do mm-hmm. I don't think I've had it I definitely did not know what you were talking about when you suggested it okay um uh, terms at least I did I didn't know what that meant um it's possible I've had it on a cheese plate or something before, but probably not. Okay. I feel like you might remember it, but I don't know. I do like fat. Um, yeah. I just had, I had a conversation with my friend about this, and I think we're going to talk about this more towards the end because, as we've discussed in several episodes, fat has been the subject of many conflicting uh, health reports. Oh, yeah. Some more uh, <laughs> reputable than others. But mm-hmm. um, 
I've always liked it. I thought it was bad. So I cut it off for a long time and now I don't do that anymore. My friend will not eat it. Because she says the texture is off. Okay. She's also influenced by the health stuff. But she says the texture is what really gets her. When I was reading descriptions of what this is like, I feel like I can imagine this texture and that I would really like it. (laughs) She would not like it, but I think I would really like (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, If I'm eating like a a steak or like like a pork chop or something like that, I'll usually trim off the fat and not eat it unless it's like a, like a little thin, like, like a very small amount. Mm. Um, and maybe a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit like cooked down. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but this, this is, this is a different situation. This is a different texture. I'll have to get some too. So let me know if you find out. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> where some is there mm-hmm. available. Uh, but I guess that does bring us to our question. Sure. Lardo. What is it? Well, uh, lardo is a type of preserved meat product that is actually entirely or almost entirely fat. Uh, It's a big old block of pork fat that is cured in salt, herbs, and spices until it's creamy, not not greasy, um, uh, dense and silky in texture, and delicately sweet, savory, herbal, maybe spiced in flavor. It uh, it might have like a thin vein almost of pinkish red meat running through it, and sort of the opposite of bacon or or a steak. But it might just be a long block of solid white to pinkish fat, um, with or without a crust of salt and herbs on top. You typically slice it super thin, super thin, and serve it as you would any type of uh, salumi or charcuterie. Um, or maybe as a garnish or an ingredient um, in relatively delicate, hot or cold savory dishes where the, the flavor and texture can shine through. It sort of melts in your mouth with maybe just a little bit of a hint of a chew. It's like a, it's like herbal pig butter. Um, it's, it's like prosciutto without the meat. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like a dream that you had of a bright mountain day that just melts away. <laughs> it's beautiful. You should write commercials. <laughs> they need to contact you, but only if you can still do this too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ab- I would not give this up. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, your mileage may vary depending on whether or not you enjoy fat, whether or not you eat pork, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, a few different cultures, I should say, have some kind of preserved fat back product because um, this is uh, the fat back part of uh, of the pig. But today we are talking about the Italian versions. Um, others tend to be smoked. Lardo definitely is not. Um which goes into the deeper preservation of many kinds of animal products, which we have talked about on the show before. Um, see, oh gosh, what have we talked about before? Now I don't remember at all. It's sausage, maybe. Um, yeah, but on, um, bacon. something, bacon. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's, you, y'all probably know better than we do. Okay, so, <laughs> so, uh, so lardo, uh, the cut of meat, or in this case, the cut of fat. Um, all right, let's take a step back from that, actually, and say that, that different breeds of pigs have been developed for different qualities, right? Um, you know, most have been developed for being bigger and more muscular and leaner. You know, that is producing more meat. Uh, these are sometimes called bacon breeds. 
More rare these days are lard breeds, which are smaller, stouter, uh, slower growing with, with more fat. Uh, pot-bellied pigs, by the way, are this kind, although I'm not suggesting that anyone eat their treasured pet. I mean, unless that's really what you in, you're into, I can't tell you what to do. Okay. Um, so, right. Th there are crossbreeds and in-betweeners uh, between bacon and, and lard types, but uh, but yeah. So for lardo, you're looking to take a lard type of pig and get the fat back off of it, the, the sort of cap of fat that they grow along their backs and partially down their sides. Although this is often considered a byproduct, like something that you would trim off and discard while taking out the loin that's right below it, in this case, the fat back is what you're going for. Um, you want it to be at least an inch thick, and you're going to cut it into rectangular slabs. At which point you cure it. Uh, so sea salt is going to be your operative ingredient, but after that, you might have um, a simple blend of garlic and rosemary chopped up, or maybe some other herbs and spices like sage, thyme, oregano, black pepper, juniper, anise, fennel seeds, coriander, cloves, nutmeg, cinnamon. I've seen all kinds of things go into the uh, the, the dry brine for this. So, so when you pack it onto the, the fat, the salt will slowly draw water out and allow some of those flavor molecules from the herbs and spices to be drawn in. The resulting wet brine around the fat back prevents uh, unfriendly microbes from growing. Uh, traditionally, you might stack multiple slabs up in your, your curing vessel uh, with layers of, you know, salt and stuff in between. Which brings us to the curing vessel. Um, okay, so in some places, specific types of marble are traditional. Um, you can cure lardo in these during the, the cooler months in parts of Italy where it's from. That's around like September to May. In other places, the traditional curing vessels are wooden boxes or, or tubs. Uh, I think chestnut or oak are the traditional types of wood used for that. However, uh, you can also do this with like a Ziploc bag sealed in the back of your fridge. Some recipes alternately have you air cure it in like, like a curing chamber um, instead of allowing that brine to form, which is more tradition, traditional for other types of salumi. Um, you know, as with any curing project, this is a, this is a personal process um, for every single human who is doing it. So your results may vary. You do what you like. But whatever you're doing, you're going to wait for it to do for like six months to two years. Um, you might go in and, like, redistribute and or add to the salt and herbs once in a while um, to make sure that the lard is coated. Um, when you're ready to finish it, you might hang it to dry in a, in a cool cellar or, like, let it rack dry in your fridge. During all of this, you are going to want to, if you're making it at home, by the way, uh, use opaque containers in order to uh, keep light from getting in, in order to keep it from yellowing. Yeah, totally. Oh. But yeah, uh, once it's done, um, it's often it's right. It's it's like it's like white, like marble white, to 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 kind of pinkish in color, um, and often just just cut off in paper thin slices as part of a um, like snack or appetizer, or like meat and cheese board kind of situation, with accompaniments like toasted bread, roasted nuts, olives, uh, slices of melon, maybe some fig or fig preserves, drizzle of honey. It can also be incorporated into sauces or soups or um, as a substitute for other types of fats or maybe sliced thin as a garnish on top of either hot or cold dishes. Or uh, you could put little slices of it in amongst casserole layers or roasting vegetables. 
maybe uh, wrap some around a date and then grill it until it just starts to go translucent to maybe a little bit of curly brown around the edges. Uh, Maybe wrap it around something relatively quick cooking like asparagus or shrimp or scallops and go ahead and grill it. I don't know. Um, Apparently, in one of the areas where it's from, a popular deli sandwich is just like thick slices of tomato and thin slices of lardo on like crispy baguette style bread. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it sounds so good. <laughs> it sounds so good. It is so versatile. Like I was reading all of these things and I never thought about it. But when I read it, I was like, oh, yes. yeah, that, that's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so two things. When you said date and grill it until it just starts to go translucent to brown. Because I've seen so many horror movies. I was like. Oh, like midsummer <laughs> uh, on the menu. No, sure. don't 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 take your <laughs> don't take your human partner and wrap them. I mean, again, I can't really tell you what to do. Um, but uh, <laughs> maybe strongly advise you not to do that. They probably don't cook uh, them. I don't. I don't think that's legally advisable. Um, <laughs> we are not lawyers, though. So We're don't doctors nor lawyers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but also yeah I I do love how many thing accounts I was reading of it was like just try it try it as a topping try it as a like just add it to this add it to that Um, yeah because you do you usually do pretty small amounts so I oh I would love to hear from listeners what you've made with this or had with this yeah Um, oh yes yes I need to know all about it Mm-hmm. I do too. But I guess that brings us to the nutrition. Okay, so this is a nutritionally dense food. Uh, that being said, um, okay, raw lard by itself, uh, you know, before you do this curing process to turn it into what we are terming here lardo, um, raw lard is actually made up of about 50% monounsaturated fats like one of the good kinds of fats, like one of the fats in in olive oil, you know? Um, Another 40% in lard is saturated fats, but, you know, like that's a better percentage than butter, for example. Um, So, you know, watch your portion sizes, uh, eat a vegetable. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Mm. some of us learned from Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, fat doesn't make you fat, bread makes you fat. So sorry about it. (laughs) Put the lardo on the bread. It's going to be great. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> I want it desperately. Also, yeah, treats are nice. Hey. Treats are great. <laughs> um, we do have a couple numbers for you. Yes. Uh, okay. So as of 2005, uh, one of the traditional producers of lardo, um, the town of Colonada, was making less than a ton per year. Or I read different numbers. Some, some were about 10 times that, but not a whole lot at any rate. Um, I will say uh, that the town at that point only had about 300 residents and only some 14 of them directly involved in production of lardo, Um, though certainly it is now an agro-tourism destination. And even during the off-season, you can apparently get tastings and tours from producers. Yeah, Mm. it's apparently Mm -hmm. beautiful to drive up there. There is a Lardo festival there every August with wine and beer and live music and Lardo in absolutely everything, including the chocolates. Yes. 
I read about some <laughs> yes. like some like lardo like donuts, like basically like a like a kind of stuffed fried pastry with lardo inside it. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> uh another town famous for it, um Arnad, which is further up in the north of Italy, makes only 300,000 kilos a year. Um though apparently more locals produce it privately. Um they also have a lardo festival every August. 2023 was its 54th year. And they host some 50,000 visitors every year. Whoa. Oh, wow. I couldn't couldn't find a lot about these festivals. If anyone has been. Please. Oh, yes. We need you. (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. Well, we do have quite the history for you. Oh, we do. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
we're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. And yes, if you have listened to any of our pork-based, meat-based, dairy-based, really pretty much every episode we talk about, <laughs> uh, then you know that for as long as humans have been kicking around, we've been looking for ways to preserve stuff, especially pre-refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Um, and pork is not at all exempt. And in fact, because of this whole thing, is even involved in several celebrations, holidays around the world because of the practice of slaughtering pigs in the winter eating what you could, and then cutting, hanging, curing, and preserving the rest. Um, And something like a cellar, typically, to be eaten throughout the winter. And then you'd have the springtime festival where you'd have more pig. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, and lardo is a part of that history. However, uh, the origin of lardo is not at all agreed upon and largely lost to time. Some argue that it might trace all the way back to ancient Rome when people were looking to preserve pork and arrived at something lardo-like as part of that. Um, It was a quick hit of calories when food was scarce or too expensive, which I understand, but I was also kind of like, it also seems like such a, such a luxurious thing to me, but. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Attitudes have changed a bunch are like sort of rotated through changes over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which we are going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Early on folks discovered that marble uh, acted as something like a natural seller when it came to pork fat. I would love to know more about this. Oh, um, I tried to look into it and I couldn't find anything really. I know. They were just kind of like, they figured it out. I was like, ooh, but how? Um, <laughs> <laughs> marble basins believed to be used in lardo making dating back to the 17th century have been discovered in Italy and some 19th century colonnata buildings are decorated with artwork showcasing ancient meat curing practices. So it's from the 19th century, but it hints that it's been going on a lot longer than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, in, in modern times, these these basins or casks of marble can be huge, like, like six feet long, holding many slabs of lardo, um, all the way down to personal sized. Um, the marble is light tight, which, as I said, is important uh, for, for preventing yellowing and, um, and, and also... You know, if it's light tight, then there's a better idea that that like too much oxygen isn't going to be getting in. Um, but yeah, like like just breathable enough to let the cure work. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, and and one of the reasons this might have come about is just because uh, marble was nearby. So, speaking of colonnata, uh, that is where one of the most famous lardos is said to have originated. The name is probably a big hint. Yeah. Um, sometime uh-huh. in the 1800s, Lardo di Colonata. Um, and back then, uh, when Lardo was first made, uh, Colonata was a small village near a marble quarry. Yeah, uh, Colonata is a hamlet just up the mountain from uh, Carrera, which is famous for its white marble quarries. It's where like Michelangelo famously sourced his marble. So the marble was used to make the lardo, something previously discovered to have preservative qualities and used with other meats. And the lardo was used to feed the miners who did the laborious work of mining the marble. Mm-hmm. Um, researchers looking into this think that early lardo was seasoned only with salt, ground pepper, fresh rosemary, and garlic. Chopped garlic, I think. However, at least according to what I read, it wasn't until the 1980s Uh, That lardo from that region spread from the area and started to be sold at markets throughout Italy. 
And then word got out. And from there, it slowly built a market worldwide. Uh, though it did have some ups and downs. More teasers for what is to come. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, all right, there were a bunch of different things going on here. Um, uh, like, apparently, uh, leaner breeds of pigs from the United States were introduced to Italy post-World War II. And lardo sort of fell out of fashion even there, um, especially as economic booms granted access to more desirable cuts of meat um, with more meat in them. Um, the dip in popularity also coincided with industrialization, pulling young people out of small towns where lardo was traditionally produced and into cities. In the 1990s, the European Union even tried to put a stop to traditional marble curing of lardo, saying it was unhygienic. Um, and like the ruckus of protests from small producers might have actually put lardo like back on the map or, or plate, I suppose is the case maybe. Um, the eventual ruling was that the producers have to like steam clean the marble in between batches, but otherwise they're good to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um at any rate, a number of European Union legal fusses ensued. Uh, Colonata producers could not apply for a protected designation of origin um, because the pork used to make their lardo actually comes from Parma. And for a PDO, you have to have the whole production locally. Um, however, they could apply for a protected geographical indication, which is a little bit looser. Um, according to the Washington Post in an article from 2003, in its petition, Colonata said its lard was made only in the hamlet between an altitude of 500 meters and 650 meters above sea level and cured for six months exclusively in cannelloni vats with proper ingredients. Um, they were like awaiting a ruling um, and awaiting a special trademark upon that ruling of a pink pig and a pair of jagged peaks set on a green diamond shield. Ooh. <laughs> which like they that. yeah 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 which they got in 2004 so good for them hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile uh, uh lardo di arnaud got a pdo in 1996 um it is produced by only three farms in the town wow well in our more modern times and perhaps more outside of italy no they're um, there as well a little bit yeah Okay. Well, Lardo's popularity has been contingent on people's changing views of fat, um, views that were coming from often biased scientific papers and experts. We have discussed this at length. Mm -hmm. um, it was incredibly popular uh, in the UK prior to World War II, for instance. But if you listen to any of our episodes around sugar, you'll know that that's when there was this big push against fat and the purported damage it did to the human body. Yeah, um, and and this mindset lasted all the way up through the 2000s, like the 20 aughts or so. I read a I read a few rather breathless explainers uh, from the time, like from like just after the turn of the century, uh, about you know like like discussing this attitude towards fat. Uh, the previously mentioned uh, Washington Post piece from 2003, which was written by one Daniel Williams, by the way, um, started out with uh, when Americans think of the Mediterranean diet. They think of freshness, lightness, olive oil, salads, and vegetables. They don't particularly think of a block of pig fat soaked for six months in a marble box packed with salt, rosemary, garlic, and spices. Yet Italians go wild over lard. The sight of svelte diners swooning over a mountain of lard runs counter to everything that Italian food has come to represent worldwide. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, that was like a couple paragraphs down. The lead was kind of this like story of a uh, of an American tourist being like, this lardo is good, but do you have like a lean version? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, and the confused the confused shopkeep being like, no, it's fat. It's made of it's made of fat. Fat is what right. it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there was also a concept of um, vegetable-based fats being a healthier replacement for animal-based fats going back to like the early 1900s. And this was partially an industrial era marketing push as vegetable fats became cheaper to mass produce. Um, Think of uh, products like like Crisco, um, a hydrogenated vegetable oil. Uh, That is an oil that's been treated to be solid at room temperature which was being pushed as more digestible than animal fats like lard. Like there are actual advertisements from the time of like for like donuts that were made with Crisco. And it was like, mom says they're more digestible. I say they're swell. Um, (laughs) (sighs) Mm -hmm. uh, But yeah, um, that whole thing is also where we wound up with a lot of partially hydrogenated vegetable oil products. Um, a.k.a. trans fats, which in, like, the 20-teens, researchers realized were actually bad. Yeah, so it goes. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, save her motto. Yep. That's what we say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in recent years, as opinions around good fats and bad fats have changed, so too has Lardo's reputation Um, On top of that, the nose-to-tail movement's popularity has further boosted Lardo's profile, and it is having a bit of a moment. Yeah. That's what a lot of the articles I read were like, Lardo's living it up right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say that, I don't know, man, like like reading some of these articles, especially from, from the early 2000s, was weird was weird and really eye-opening because I, I think that the attitude towards um uh body positivity has also changed so much in these 20-ish years, which is great. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like a number of these articles opened up with like insults using the word lard, referring to human people. Um mm-hmm. and that is an unimaginable way for me to open an article right now. Like, I would simply not do that. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's, like, obvious that that's a bad thing that one should not do at this juncture. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, just, I don't know. Like it's I, I'm really happy for a number of reasons, one of them being the the greater sum of human health, that, uh, that we're <laughs> approaching nutrition <laughs> with a more... Um, with, with a better understanding of how some of these ingredients uh, uh, affect our bodies, but also just like, whoo, yeah, yeah, like, like what a what what a nicer world <laughs> if we're if we're being less judgmental about people's bodies, as I hope is becoming the case more and more so every day. Yes, agreed, agreed. Um, and you know. I haven't had it, but I really want some. I yeah. Want some photo, so <laughs> next time I see it, I am texting you a photo of the menu immediately. immediately. Yeah. Immediately, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> this is very important. <laughs> and listeners, again, if you have been to these festivals, if you have recipes, oh, or yeah. if you just had a good dish and want to describe it to us and make us have cravings. Yes. We like that too. <laughs> oh, heck yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's about what we have to say 
on Lardo for now. It is. We do already have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with a listener. I want to do like a Hills Are Alive because your mountains, summer mountains description was so good. (laughs) But I can't spin around because we've already said that that's a disaster. Oh, no, no, no. You have way too many costume pieces in that that room. Yeah. There is costumes and wires all about. Yeah. Yeah. Hazards. It's precarious. (laughs) Uh, But, you know. So I, I <laughs> compensated. I compromised. You did. You did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, we have a lot of you have written about, um, in some way or another, about chowder, which yes. is great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we have two messages about that today. Okay. Um, 
Randall wrote, I enjoy listening to you all while I am cooking. Mm. I used to have neighbors who would have a chowder cook-off every year. I was able to participate four years in a row. It was great fun, just four of us cooking since they just had four burners. We would be there trash talking to each other while finishing our chowders <laughs> and trying to convince the people to vote for our own chowders. <laughs> Over the years, I made a salmon chowder, a classic PA German chicken corn chowder, a classic clam chowder, and a white chocolate chowder, which I won the Better Than Sex Award. <laughs> I recommend more people trying it. A great party. Oh, wow. That sounds so fun. Right? Oh, heck. Chowder and, trash talk. Yeah. And what a great spread of different chowders, too. Like like the like yes. the classic clam to the salmon to the Pennsylvania mm -hmm. German uh, chicken corn chowder. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Heck. Mm -hmm. White chocolate. I don't even know what white chocolate chowder is. I need, I need to look oh further into this. It's clearly good. Yeah. Uh, Award winning. Right? <laughs> I love this. I, oh my gosh. I can imagine this in my own friend group deteriorating into nothing is edible, but I, I still think we have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like in my friend group, it would need to be everyone prepared their chowders ahead of time, brought them in like a crock pot kind of situation. Mm -hmm. The trash talking could occur there. Yeah. But I think that's important. But I yeah. think after the soup was done. Right. Yeah. I'm envisioning quite a mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this also sounds fun if it's something your friend group can pull off. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. Especially like standing around one four burner stove. Heck. I, yeah. yeah. I don't think. And I feel like there must have been competition about which burner you got. <laughs> oh, right. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. Oh, I bet. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Yes. Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Uh, Christine wrote about clams. All right. I have no doubt there are many, many New Englanders writing in about this, but just in case, attempting to gather clams at high tide is a diabolical form of punishment, sure to result in, at the very least, a complete drenching if attempted. Clams are bottom-dwelling creatures. They either live on the bottom of the seabed or even burrow into it. Thus, gathering them is really only possible at low tide. Because of stupid white people overfishing, most places have strict catch limits on how many clams you can take, and some places even require you to get a permit. I haven't done this for ages, but when I was a child, we would often gather an Australian species of clam called peepees? Pippis? Sure. Um, they are small burrowing clams, so they have to be dug up. You look for air holes in the sand at low tide, then gently dig around the bubble or dig your foot into the sand. The tiny hands and feet of children are ideal for this because it's very easy to break the shells. Um, and I have absolutely no idea what New Englanders' problem was insisting tomatoes have no place with clams. Your typical tomato ketchup would indeed be gross, but a pasta based on a peepees Fresh tomatoes, shallots, and fresh herbs is delicious. Oh, that does sound delicious. <laughs> oh, Pippies? Oh, my gosh. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Christine, you can let us know. <laughs> I, I could have looked it up. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> That's always hit or miss. Yeah. I, I feel, I agree with you, Christine, but I feel that it's a very specific chowder thing it's not a clam can never be with tomatoes 
It's not for the, in their minds, the chowder doesn't have tomatoes. doesn't have tomatoes. Um, but I mean, but there was a lot of there was also a lot of um, I mean, honestly, really racist, like anti-Italian mm. uh, uh, sentiment going on in kind of popular culture at the time. Um, and uh, and the idea that tomatoes were a thing that they were bringing over, even though they were a Native American yeah. product. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. that might have had something to do with it. We need to we need to look further into this. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also. I I responded to Christina. I was like, if I was a kid, I would have loved this. Oh like yeah. Digging up of the clams. Yeah. Oh well like, like like I'm allowed to go out and mess with the wildlife. Yes. Great. <laughs> That's yes. and then I can eat this <laughs> later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness. And now that you mention it, I totally have seen on beaches uh little burrowing little burrowing clams like this that yeah, you just see the little air bubble peek up um when yep. the when the wave rushes out and mm-hmm. then you're like oh there's a shell down there yep yeah i've seen them too now i know <laughs> clams you're safe from me. <laughs> i like anakin skywalker avoid sand <laughs> um, <laughs> don't noted. like it Duly noted. okay all right rocky beaches for annie sure yeah <laughs> well, then maybe I would have fit in up here in New England. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I also like your description of a diabolical form of punishment. Yes, yes. I I assumed that something like that was the case. Uh, but right, mm-hmm. having no practical experience, thank you so much for informing us. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see... See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.